This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 259 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show. Horses who eat potatoes. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. Our sponsors this week are Fleeceworks, EquityMFG.com, Road to the Horse, and Equisketch. Welcome to the Stable Scoop, with weekly shows delivered right to you. With Helena and Glenn the Geek, live from the stable, it's every week. They'll bring you the news through hell, hot water, while using their tails as their own fly swatters. So sit on down and laugh till your poop, cause it's time again for Stable Scoop. Stable Scoop. Stable Scoop. I am Glenda Geek. And I'm Helena B. And you're listening to the Stable Scoop Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. Helena, Helena B., lots to talk about this week. Plus, we have a bunch of guests lined up and and, uh, some fun stuff coming up on the show today. But first, I saw a picture of what I think were your toes in front of some crystal blue water (laughs) with these islands in the background. Yes, 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 yes. Um, I spent a week on the island of St. Christopher in the West Indies. It's actually known as St. Kitts, which is short for St. Christopher. Yeah, St. Kitts and and its sister island, Nevis, which um, both are islands created from volcanoes of long ago. Unbelievable natural wonders absolutely beautiful the people are amazing the landscape is amazing the water is amazing the wildlife is amazing we had monkeys coming up to our house and mongoose mongooses we could never figure that out mongoose mongai mongooses mongoose mongoose pelicans frigate birds mongoose deer believe it or not really short little deer who are adorable um Vervet monkeys and, of course, all kinds of fish. Um, now you love it. the water. You that's why you live where you do. You're you know half a mile from the beach at the ocean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the ocean down there is a little different than the ocean where you live, huh? The ocean. Well, it's interesting because <laughs> there's oh yeah, different. The on the on well, there's two sides. When you're in the when you're in the Caribbean islands, Caribbean, Caribbean. Uh, on one side, on the west side, is the Caribbean Sea, and on the east side is the Atlantic Ocean. And you can tell the difference. Like, there's, you know, the, the Caribbean side is very calm and, like, super, super clear and, and aqua color blue. And the Atlantic side has waves, and it's, I don't want to call it rough. It's nothing like, you know, the Jersey Shore or the California coast or anything. But um, it's got these nice rolling waves, and it's this deep, royal, rich sapphire blue. I assume it's a little warmer than your water up there in New England, too. Yes, it's warmer. But it wasn't unrefreshing. It was nice. Yeah. Like, it Not was, like the yeah. Gulf of Mexico sometimes gets warm, warm. You know, it's... There was one day where the Caribbean Sea was warm, warm. But yeah. other than that, yeah. it was it was nice. Like, 
you still went in and was like, Ooh, this feels good because the sun is so strong down there that when you go in the water, it's always refreshing. But the interesting thing, probably the thing I loved the most, we rented a, a little cottage on a hillside. And the thing that I loved the most about the, the islands are the breezes. Those trade winds they talk about are amazing. Like we didn't need an air conditioner the whole time. It was 85 degrees and sunny every single day. It rained in the afternoon for like an hour. Um, sometimes it would rain at night, but again, for just like two hours at the most. But you could leave all the doors and windows open all the time and the breezes came in and just cool, kept everything at this perfect temperature. <laughs> it was crazy. It was crazy. So I, did like, the monkeys come in and uh, make themselves at home in your refrigerator? The monkeys did not, but we did have a pair of Lesser Antilles bullfinches. Oh, that decided. Oh, yeah, they like the bullfinches like to make homes inside, don't they? Well, there was a cat. The cottage had a resident cat named Pepper who was 14 years old, and we left some cat food out for him. Oh. <laughs> and in the kitchen. And the bullfinches decided that they were going to feast on the cat food. <laughs> so they would fly into the kitchen, land on the cat dish, take a couple of crunchies, and fly away. <laughs> so you had your own little entertainment system. We had our own little entertainment system. It was awesome. And the hummingbirds, they didn't seem to care about the human beings sitting on the patio and they would do their, their thing. And, oh, it was just really. So it was relaxing. It was relaxing. Yeah. And you got some water time in. Lots and lots of water time. Got some, got to taste some really good um, Ketishian rum. Ketishian rum. So, thus the relaxing time. <laughs> yes. Yes. I didn't get any pictures of you in a bikini on the beach, though. No. <laughs> no, you won't be seeing I was any waiting of- for that. Didn't get them. Nope. <laughs> no, you won't be seeing any of those. That doesn't mean that there wasn't any. You just won't be seeing any. <laughs> she knows I would share them on Facebook. So that's why I won't be getting them. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It was a really good time. I, I, as I know, any vacation goer says, you hate to leave. But I was literally like, well, how can I make my life work? How can I become an islander? This is the perfect place for me. <laughs> You've been wanting to move south. Well, there's your, that's way south. Well, I'd never traveled abroad before. I'd been to Bermuda um, for my honeymoon 15 years ago and absolutely loved it and still plan to go back. But Um, for whatever reason, we didn't need a passport or it wasn't considered international travel, um, at the time. So this was the first time I had to go through customs. I had to go through immigration. You had to go through triple security. It was really, and I've never flown through Atlanta. Oh, there, that's a, that's a treat. Huge hub. (laughs) I was like, what? If you ever get stuck in an airport, hope it's Atlanta because they have good food. It's uh, like a city. Yes, you, because you can kill time, number one, and I've been stuck in Atlanta before. You can kill time, and there's good food. So Atlanta is a good one to get stuck in. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, there. I, I have to give the, is it the TSA, the Transportation mm-hmm. Security TSA, yeah. Authority? I got to give them credit. You know, the their infrastructure is pretty good, you know, in terms of getting people through. Like going through um, the scanners is getting faster and faster. Um. They still got to figure out a way to get, you know, when you get, when you know, when you get your buckets 
yeah. off the yeah. conveyor belt. Yeah. You know, and everybody's like getting dressed right at the end of the conveyor belt. They kind of have to figure that. Yeah. Stuff it's out. Awkward. It's just awkward. <laughs> the whole it's thing awkward. is awkward. But, uh, you know, other than that, like for what, an extra 15, 30 seconds of inconvenience, it's totally worth it. Yeah, definitely. So well, that was kind of. you had a good time. Yeah. That's terrific. Yeah, I'll post a couple. I'll see if I can pull a couple of uh, pictures. All right, so the bikini shots will be up today. No. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's get on with the show. uh, We have a couple of guests lined up for you today. We have Kat returning from Eat Your Tart Out with some horse person-friendly recipes. And today we're going to spice it up a bit. And then later on, speaking about spicing it up, we have Dr. Corey Key, who wrote the book Horses Who Eat Potatoes. Uh, <laughs> so you can imagine what that's going to be about, uh, and it should be a lot of fun. We're looking forward to that interview as well. And then uh, Coach Jen stops by from the Horse Tip Daily Show with another product review for Tack and Habit a little bit later on. But first, we need to take a break for one of our sponsors, Fleeceworks, for the best fleece pads out there. We'll see her, actually, in a couple of weeks. She's set up near us at Ada, and you're coming to Ada this time, so... Uh, we'll we'll get to see Judy from Fleeceworks, but let's hear about their products and then go to Cat from Eat Your Tart Out. Fleeceworks manufactures pure Australian merino sheepskin and merino wool saddle pads and accessories. Their pads produce a vital thermal balancing layer to pull excess moisture and heat away from the horse's back, allowing muscles to work at maximum capacity without overheating. Fleeceworks Australian merino wool is breathable and hydrophilic able to hold and store 35% of its own weight in liquid. A longtime staple of the medical field, Australian merino fibers have no equal when it comes to delivering a temperature-controlled, pressure-absorbing layer. The Fleeceworks philosophy, minimum bulk, maximum performance, and they have a variety of anatomically correct pads incorporating technologies and designs that address the individual needs of every horse and rider. Ask for Fleeceworks saddle pads and accessories by name at your local tack and feed store or visit them online at fleeceworks.com. Well, hi, Kat. Welcome back. Of course, Kat's from the blog, Eat Your Tart Out, spelled with an E-T-A-R-T-E. And you are back with us to do your horse person friendly recipe of the month. And we thought we would kick it up a notch and go a little spicy today. Yeah, no, I thought it would be fun because I know you guys are usually pretty sassy when you're on the air together. So I thought this would be kind of a fun take. That's a nice way to say it. But just a little it. spicy. Yeah, it's sassy. a nice way to say it. I've been called worse. Yes, we've got a lot worse. <laughs> yeah, really, I'm by each other. <laughs> All right, I'll have to come up with a real sassy recipe for you. But this is, we're going to do spicy today. And um, we picked a jalapeno corn chowder. Which, for the most part, is actually pretty easy. As long as you have a blender on hand, most of the stuff can be frozen and ingredients that are pre-prepped. So there's not a whole lot of work that is involved with it. But the part that I like the most is that it's really low calorie when you talk in terms of chowders. Okay. Which is always a good thing. You know, I know riders are, you know, ten tending to kind of watch their waistline and things like that. So you don't want to be really weighted down with heavy creams and fats and things like that. And so this is a lighter version of that. And so what you're doing for the most part is you're taking corn. And a lot of times what I do in the winter is I just actually take frozen corn and let it thaw. And then I use it in this recipe. But with chicken broth, you combine it, um, let it kind of boil together, get the flavors going. 
And then you end up actually blender, um, blending half of the corn with your chicken stock. And what it ends up doing is, is you get this kind of starchy from the corn and a little bit more of a heavy broth, but it's not heavy in terms of like a creamy, fatty broth. And actually, you get this awesome corn flavor and you save some little corn nuggets um, to throw back in there so you get some texture in there. But you create this wonderful broth that doesn't have a ton of calories in it. And then to that, you add the other ingredients? Yes. You'll add a little bit of cream just so you get that nice kind of full-flavoredness. And you'll add to that, you'll do roasted red peppers, which I just get them out of the jar. I don't do them myself unless I you know, have them growing uh, this time of year. And then you'll add some jalapenos in it. And you can add as much as you like depending on your spicy level. And once it's all kind of come together and you've had time to kind of cook the jalapenos down a little bit, you just garnish it with uh, feta or queso. And I actually like feta because it's a little bit saltier and it adds a nice contrast uh, to the soup that you're making. And then you just top it with some cilantro and that's it. It's not hard at all. What you was talk- the other kind of cheese that you – it was yeah, feta queso? or queso? queso? What's queso? Queso is a Mexican cheese. It's very, very, very much like feta. It's got that nice salty flavor to is that, it. Is queso what they, the white – stuff you dip in isn't that queso too it is yes it's a version of that but technically when you get queso in its full form you'll actually be getting it more like a brick style like you would a feta okay um it's just a again it's more of a kind of a mexican salty softer cheese that you would use in this kind of thing but oh i know like where i'm located i can't find it to save my life so again i just try and recommend things that if you have um queso it goes a lot better with it but Feta works just as good when you can't find it. And that's it. You just basically cook it, uh, bring it to a boil and simmer it? or Yeah, that's yeah. it. I mean, so for the most part, what your directions would be is, is that you bring the broth to a boil. You'll add in some corn. You'll take, you know, half of the corn out. You'll kind of strain it, set it off to the side. You'll blender, um, put the rest of it in the blender, kind of bring it down. And if you don't like it kind of thick in texture, what I normally do is I just actually sift out the pulverized corn um, and then from there, I add it back in, bring it up to another boil, add in your roasted red peppers, your jalapenos, and your additional corn. And then once it's heated, you add a little bit of cream, and then that's it. You ladle it off and top it. Good French bread with it. Dunk yes. I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> that's why you guys love having me here. I just make you want to eat. Well, this you is really a do. One for, this is really a good one for... for uh, riders and horse people because it looks like you could make this one in 20 minutes. I mean, it, uh, yeah, it very much is. So, I mean, that's one of the things where I know, like if I'm going to make it an evening, if I go out to the barn or something, all you have to do is just set the corn on the counter. If you know, you're going to be gone for an hour or two, or just set it in the fridge. If you're going to be gone all day. And then when you get home, everything else is pretty much there. You just have to, you know, heat the stuff up and that's it. I mean, the blender or Blendering the corn is probably the hardest part just because it's hot and if it gets splashed, you know, if it starts splashing around, it can become a little bit dangerous. Um, But as long as you're careful, it's not usually a problem. And again, it's a 20 to 30 minute at the most recipe that is filling, but it's not too heavy where it's really going to make you feel horrible about what you're eating. You know, in the cooking shows, Helena, they would use the boat motors. You know, those things they stick in the pot to blend it that, that look like a boat motor. A boat motor? That's Isn't that called call a hand blender? I guess we call it a boat it motor. Because it kind of looks like a boat motor. Dude, even I know it's called a hand blender. <laughs> and I can't cook my way out of a paper bag. 
Honestly. <laughs> it does look like the big ones that they use in the big restaurants do look like boat motors. Like, Well, I have a little one and it works really well. I actually use it for shakes and all sorts of things. And for this recipe, rather than, you know, getting the blender out and all that kind of stuff, I just throw that in there because you can have it over the stove and then that way you're yeah. not having to transfer a whole bunch of stuff and make more dishes. So. I, I don't have one of those. I need a boat motor. That's what I need. Well, good luck finding. Yeah, you need something, but it's not a boat motor. <laughs> so we're really on a goat cheese kick right now. Uh, Jennifer and I are both really into goat cheese right now. Is that now? That's something that doesn't affect your, no. your lime stuff. So you no, can I can. As a matter of fact, goat cheese is the one cheese that you know. Right now, I'm allowed to have any cheese I want, really, uh, pretty much. But uh, goat cheese was the one when I was. On the strictest, uh, in the first couple of months, they they recommend goat cheese. I don't know what it is about goat cheese, but uh, it's the lo- it's the lactose that doesn't bother you. And the higher, it's yeah, basically it's a, a lactose free cheese that you can have. I know a lot of times mm-hmm. in like I've seen in higher end supermarkets, they actually carry a goat gouda. So those people who have lactose intolerances can actually eat gouda, which is you know not something that's been available to them previously. You're usually stuck when you think of goat cheeses. It's usually the soft. You know, cheeses yeah, yep. you might put on Which a salad. Which is what we get, yep. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. Um, but if you definitely source out like a higher-end cheesemonger, you actually will be able to find different types of goat. Um, and sometimes, too, if you don't have a true like gluten in, or not gluten, lactose intolerance, you can actually find that uh, sheep's milk cheese might actually work as well for you. Huh. You know, the one thing about goat cheese is expensive. It comes in these little containers, and they're usually like 4 or $5. But we, we found Aldi, of all places, the, the sort of like box store Aldi, which yep. they have around the country, uh, $1.99. So uh-huh. we, we were able to find them like half the price there. Well, I actually have something else you could try, too, which I just saw yesterday for the first time. So those who are lactose intolerant can't usually have milk chocolate. And I know most chocolate purists will have dark chocolate, but they're making chocolate now with camel's milk for those who are lactose intolerant. <laughs> okay, that wasn't what I expected to hear. No. <laughs> I don't care where it comes from. Cheese is cheese is cheese. <laughs> How much is a chocolate bar made from camel's milk imported from Saudi Arabia cost, do you think? I'd probably say it's about it's going to be the same price as your higher end chocolate bars, probably about seven to eight dollars. Yeah, I would think. <laughs> I would think. <laughs> if I find it, actually, next time I go to Boston, that's something that I saw one of the boutiques that I follow there because I love all the new stuff they're always bringing in. I'll have to get you one and send it to you, and you can try it on the air again. <laughs> <laughs> she keeps sending us these weird chocolate bars to try on the air. <laughs> weird, and you keep eating them. Oh, they're weird. weird. Some of them were weird. One of them was like sweet potato chocolate bar or something. Oh, it was that weird. was so good though <laughs> mm. there were some sweet potatoes ones. are yummy don't knock them there was one that was bad i forget which one it was now but i it think was... it was the one that was the spicy like chipotle chocolate one that yeah you it was pretty like. bad <laughs> <laughs> kat this is terrific where uh where can people find the recipe and where can they find the rest of your stuff uh you can either find me on facebook so it's just eat your tart out spelled with an e on facebook or you can just go to eatyourtartout.com. And we'll put a link to it in our show notes at Stable Scoop as well. She's got a lot of eye candy on there. So I know. She makes me hungry every day. (laughs) Listen, I'm going along with the puns here. She's got a lot of really good eye candy on there. Very digestible content. (laughs) (laughs) I know that's lame, but That's pretty good. It's bad pun day here on Stable Scoop. It's bad pun day. (laughs) Always fun. Thank you, guys. See you, Kat. Thanks, Kat. Well, that sounds good. I'm I'm hungry now. It's not even lunchtime yet. 
<laughs> Wait, what do you mean lunch? That your hunger has nothing to do with time. No, it really doesn't. Other than <laughs> the fact that you're hungry, hungry all the all time. The time. <laughs> That's right. Hey, you know what I got to do the other day because we got my new pony. What is he's an absolute pig in a stall. <laughs> he's just, he poops the size of you know. Well, we've had ponies before. They poop little tiny pony poops. You know. Little tiny yep. pony poops. Yep. This guy poops full size horse poops. He <laughs> he does bigger piles than our horse does. And He's then making he up for lost it, time. Yeah, and then he takes it and mushes it all around the stall. So it's like, oh man, I got to go out and clean his stall every day. And you know, I only have to clean one stall, so I'm not really bitching too loud. But I, you know, I for the first couple of days I used the flex and fork. Uh, from equitymfg.com because we use it for cleaning the paddocks outside and pretty much everything we do. We use a flexing fork. And I didn't even think about the fact that I have a shaking fork. So, which is the, which is the, uh, the me- uh, mechanical one that vibrates, that you press mm-hmm. the trigger and it vibrates and it gets all the, all the, the good stuff off of your fork for you. You don't have to shake. That's the horse so, husband's favorite one. No it's a gadget. So it's a gadget. So I went out. You can clean this pony stall, which is an absolute pigsty. You can clean it in half the time, and I saved literally half the bedding. No question about it. You just let it do all the work for you. All you have to do is dump, you know, press the trigger, and it goes, and then you dump, and press the trigger, and you dump. And all you're dumping is the waste. You're saving so much of the bedding. Because when you're cleaning a pigsty stall, and you've cleaned enough of them, you know, you, you tend to go, I'm sick of shaking. I'm just throwing it away. <laughs> Well, it's the, it's, it's the ones just, who grind their poop up. And yeah. the Zeke used to be like that. And Ugh. you're like, what are you doing, dancing in there? I, I know. And then you you throw away a lot of your bedding that you could save because it just gets old, you know, shaking and shaking and shaking. It does. Ugh. And you do. You have to shake. You have to shake until Ugh, your freaking awful. eyes pop out of your head. I know. <laughs> I know. And you just get tired of it and you start throwing it away and say, I'll buy new bedding, you know? <laughs> you're like, so, I'll, just buy, I'll just put a new bag in. I know. And But you know what? With the, I am absolutely dead set sold on the shaking fork now. I, you know, I used to say if you had three stalls or more than you invest in the shake and fork. I don't care how many stalls you have invest in the shake and fork. It is absolutely wonderful. I absolutely love it. And, and Jennifer now is using it to clean the stalls because we just, we just never did before because we didn't have stalls. First of all, uh, right. until now. So, and then I didn't have a pig pony either, but, uh, so I'm very <laughs> happy that the pony's pooping. That's a good thing for a skinny malnourished, you know, pony who's coming back to health. But, uh, uh, and now I'm not so upset because I can just use my gadget to clean the stalls. So go over to equitymfg.com and look for the shaken fork over there. Next up, we have a guest for you. Her, her name is Dr. Corey Key, and she wrote a book. She wrote a book called Horses Who Eat Potatoes. And regular listeners to the no- show will know that we love fun stuff and what can't be fun about a book called horses who eat potatoes so let's uh talk to dr Corey key well hi dr key and welcome to the stable scoop show well thank you i'm glad to be here you know as soon as it came across my desk that somebody had written a book called horses who eat potatoes we knew that this was perfect for our show (laughs) absolutely perfect (laughs) i used to have a i used to have a newfoundland who would eat radishes out of the garden them up out of the ground and uh, yeah so then when i saw people barely eat radishes i didn't know dogs did well, do yeah, horses eat potatoes? You, you know, well, the point is, like, you never know what you never, you, like, your cat's going to eat. I know. <laughs> well, we're going to find out how the book got its name in a little while here. But first, tell us about yourself. Did you grow up a horse person? or well, And then why'd, well, you, why'd you become a veterinarian? 
I think I'd always wanted to be a veterinarian. That was kind of, you know, most little girls go through that phase. And I also wanted a horse. My parents were more okay with me being a vet than having a horse. So I had to <laughs> kind of claw my way to getting a horse. So I didn't get one until I was 15. But I was like, holding, and that's a story in the book too, but holding money away and hiding it from my parents because I knew eventually I was going to wear them down enough that they'd let me get a horse. So they found their shoebox labeled horse fund and they're like, well, maybe she's more serious about this than we thought she was. So we had to sit down and talk about it and uh, they agreed to let me get a horse because I had it all planned out. So I kind of started late in life for most horse people, but it worked out okay that way. Um, and well, I went to before you go school. on, what was your? Well, I always love to know what was your first horse. Well, she was an Arabian mare, and that's what I have now. I've stayed with Arabians. I decided that was my breed, and uh, she was a it was one of those. You know, from the get go, my parents knew less about horses than I did, so they said, "Sure, we'll buy a two year old mare that's already pregnant. You oh. can grow up together." And oh. I'm like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> yeah, that always works out so, so well. Yeah, it, it it actually did, but we were very lucky. So, you know, I, most of the time I'm when I'm talking to clients or other people, I'm like, don't do that. <laughs> don't ever do that. So, yeah. Why do parents um, think that's a good idea, by the way? I have no idea. I mean, true horse, horse people wouldn't think that that was no. a good idea. But my parents, they still know less about horses than any people on the planet, so... Marianne Kennedy of, wrote a song called Green on Green Makes Black and Blue. Exactly. <laughs> you know? I think my husband was just quoting that. <laughs> and that, I did get a lot of that, actually. So, um, But anyway, I uh, I went to vet school in Missouri, where I grew up, and then decided that when I graduated, I looked kind of everywhere. I wanted to be out in the country, so I ended up in Arkansas. I, you know, I don't know how that happened, but <laughs> no, nobody knows how they end up in Arkansas. <laughs> exactly. And the first time I said six and two, my dad was like, "I'm coming to get you. This is ridiculous." <laughs> so, oh, it's fun. been an adventure. Well, now you. Um, we have you on because you wrote this book, and obviously you became a large animal vet, right? Actually, no. Um, and there's actually a story in there about why I don't do like farm animals and stuff like that. I do do horses, but I do primarily now small animal and exotics and stuff like that. And, you know, along the way, I decided that horses are really my recreation, so I didn't want to do them as my job if I could help it as I got older. So, yeah, that's interesting. Kind of that, that's interesting I too, Helena. I don't know if you know any, but we have met veterinarians along the way that were horse docs, and uh, they lost interest in in doing the horse thing themselves. So it yeah. is interesting that you said that it really became a job, and some of them kept yeah. doing it and fox hunted and and stuff too. But uh, I we do know others who just it just wasn't yeah. a, an appeal anymore. Yeah, you, I mean, I worked at I worked at a uh, referral hospital that did colic surgery and everything like that, and thought I wanted to do that and then as the years wore on and I got older I decided that I would kind of steer away from doing it as a job and do it more as a pastime so I don't blame you I, I mean it's there, there's a lot of people I mean when I first got into horses there was the I could be an instructor path and I remember getting my license in Massachusetts and um you know it, it's I remember thinking to myself I, I enjoy them so much. Do do I want right. to dilute that joy, that right. recreation by making by tying 
you know, a dollar amount to it, that would really ruin exactly. it. So I don't, exactly. I completely understand that. You know, I think, yep. you know, along those lines, when we had our big farm, we probably had about 25 horses there in a boarding stable and training mm-hmm. business and all that stuff. You know, we spent more time taking care of the farm and, and the business and just keeping up with the fencing and, you know, everything that's oh, yeah. involved in that than we did enjoying <laughs> our horses. I think now that we have two horses in the backyard, we're enjoying them more than we did then. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah, we were up to 21 at one point and five stallions, and we're like, this is more like work than what we really wanted to yeah. be. Yeah, so. we always said there was a magic, let's see if you found this with your clients, we always said there was a magic number, and, and uh, I keep telling my morning show host this, that the magic number is seven. The work triples after you get ah. seven horses. It just seems like when you hit that eighth horse, the work just, it's out of control at that point. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it doubles I when you get that. to three and go to four. And then it just like goes out of control when you hit eight. And then, you I, know, from I then on, agree. you're just needing help. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. You yeah. need to hire somebody. Yeah. <laughs> so Horses Who Eat Potatoes, how did it get its name? Well, it's actually one of the stories. It's a book of short stories. So you can read one chapter and not, you know, you can put it down. Although most people tell me that they can't put it down. So and they miss subway stops and all kinds of stuff <laughs> while reading my topic. And, uh, but there was one when I first got out of school and I wanted to do horses as a job and was on one of my very first farm calls. I, it was, I mean, if you can imagine in the mountains, I mean, we do have mountains in Arkansas, but you know, there's the whole hillbilly vibe and they were taking, they were like, good, you have four wheel drive. You're going to need it. And that should have been my clue to turn around and leave at that point. (laughs) But we're going you know, in the backwoods of Arkansas, and I get up to this place, and they had horses and fences made out of bed springs, and you name it. It was it was there. It was the entire cliche. And they said, well, we have this horse that just had a baby, and we want you to check the baby out and check the mare out because we think she tore something. And I'm looking at it going, well, do you have a halter? And they're like, no, she's pretty easy to catch. And I'm like, okay. Without a halter? So I go in there. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yes. So I'm running around. This is what I'm, granted, right out of school. So any, if I did something like this now, it would not go this way. But I'm running around trying to chase this horse going, I don't get paid enough to do this. And they're like, oh, yeah, we forgot. She always comes if we get a potato out. She'll come because she loves <laughs> potatoes. And I'm like, oh, of course. Why didn't I think of that? Because <laughs> all horses like potatoes. Right? <laughs> So they get this raw potato out, and the mare comes trotting over. And we managed to catch her, but there was no way I was going to be able to look at her back in. So I was like, well, looks good from here, and uh, thank you very much for your time. (laughs) I was like, this has got to be a disaster. Oh, my gosh. So it was just very funny, the whole, I mean, if you can imagine working with people, hillbillies from Arkansas that have horses and shouldn't, shouldn't have horses. Then that was exactly how how it happened. <laughs> so, <laughs> what, what, and I thought, you know, did she eat the potato? Like, what, is that did. okay? Yeah, and it's okay. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't imagine that they would like it, but yeah, a little starchy. <laughs> I don't know that it would be good on a full time basis, but she seemed to be doing fine with it. So probably prefer it French fried. Or, uh, probably, you know, tots probably. would be better. French fries, probably. Fritos. Yeah. I've seen my horse stick his nose in a bag of Fritos before. We have found a lot of horses that eat chips. 
And I think that's yeah. partly because everybody brings oh, chips to the horse shows and they're just right there. So you hand just your right horse there. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> so tell us so about some of the I, other I, wild stories in the book. Um, let's see. What's one of the wild stories in the book, Justin? <laughs> well, um, there's one in there that is actually not about me, but I had <clears throat> heard of it. We have, there's a vet in actually Oklahoma that does a lot of, they called him the voodoo doctor because he did a lot of off the wall, you know, more than even just homeopathic stuff, you know, injecting gold beads and just weird, weird stuff for most people. And, uh, this, client of his brought her horse there for a treatment and she was going to leave it and a few days later she calls him and she says I can't I have to bring I talked to my horse psychic and I have to bring him home and he's like what are you talking about she said well my horse isn't happy there she told me that he has to come home and she goes he goes ma'am your horse is perfectly fine he's in a stall he's getting food everything's good and she said no the cows are keeping him up all night, and the little people keep stealing his food. And she's, he goes, oh, my gosh, this lady's crazy. He said, well, we live next to a stockyard. I can't help the fact that the cows are keeping him up all night, but I promise you there's no little people that are stealing his food. She said, I, I'm sorry, my psychic has never been wrong, so I'm coming to get my horse. <clears throat> so she shows up, and she gets the horse, and he didn't give it any more thought. And a few nights later, he shows up for an emergency, and walks into the barn, flips on the lights, and monkeys scatter everywhere. And he's like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> so apparently there was a traveling circus or something that, or a, some kind of a wildlife uh, refuge that had, one of the houses had gotten destroyed in a storm. And so all the monkeys had gotten loose. Oh, no, there were, were little people <laughs> stealing his food. Oh, little <laughs> people. <laughs> so her psychic was not wrong. <laughs> Exactly. Now there's the psychic that you want. That one knows what it's talking about right there. No doubt. I was like, you got to kidding me. And that's one of those that I don't know if it's for real, if it actually happened, but it was so funny. I was like, I have to put this in there. And uh, I've heard the story from multiple people about this particular doctor and that happening. So there may be some truth in it. (laughs) Concerns me that yeah. the voodoo doctor, though, that he's got little dolls of every horse he works on. If you don't pay your bill, he's sticking needles. Right. In <laughs> that may be true. I don't know if he's like that or not. <laughs> it's one doctor you want to make sure you pay your bill on time. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> we don't know what he's capable of. <laughs> so, but most of the other stories are, you know, literally about what I've done with my horses and. Um, in my vet practice and stuff like that, the crazy animals and clients that I've had to deal with. And <clears throat> what's the hardest? <laughs> what's you're a small animal and and do horses, but what, what's the hardest thing about being a vet? What do you think that what what's the toughest thing? The toughest thing. I mean, I think that dealing with clients that are not thinking rationally because their animal is ill. You know, it can be kind of tough because you have to remain calm and you know I had this this is actually a chapter in the next book but I had this guy come in that had already been to three or four vets and hated them all they were all crooks you know so I was batting zero from the get-go and I walk in and he's like you need to tell me what's wrong with my dog 
And I'm like, okay, well, we need to do X, Y, and Z. And he's like, no, I, I'm not running any tests. I want you to tell me what's wrong with it. And I'm like, well, that's not really how it works, sir. You know, we have to be He needed to that uh, animal psychic that uh, the <laughs> other lady had. <laughs> exactly. And he's like, so if I was a mechanic and you brought your vehicle in for me to diagnose what was wrong with it and I charged you $500 and still couldn't figure out what was wrong, would you feel okay about paying that? And I was like, um... I don't think that's really the same thing because, you know, there's only a finite number of things that can go wrong with your car, but there's infinite amount of things and variations on those things that can happen with your animal. And I mean, of course we ran blood tests and stuff finally, and everything was normal. And I had to go in and tell the man that we still didn't know anything about his, you know, and it just went on from there and it was just, it just escalated. And so, you know, I was like, sometimes I think I could be a politician because you have to keep everybody happy and, you know, not, try to piss this person off for, you know, versus making this person happy. And it's just a, it's a balancing act. Mm -hmm. So, you know, yeah. it's interesting, Helena, I was just thinking about what she said and, and, <laughs> you know, one of the toughest things in her job, she just mentioned is the same thing. That's the toughest thing in everybody's job. And that's dealing with the people. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's, exactly. it's true. We're, we're crazy. We're crazy. And yeah. then when you add animals to the mix, we get even crazier, but you know, right. there's a, um, I guess it just, it comes with the territory because people, I mean, animals don't take care of themselves or wait. Exactly. Yes, they do. <laughs> Hold on a minute. Yes, they do. But we don't allow them to. And it's we funny because I've heard, I said, and I've heard a lot of people going into vet school say, well, I'm going to be a vet because I don't want to deal with people. And I'm like, wait a second. That's not how that works. Yeah. <laughs> Promise do they you. teach That's, you? I thought that at first. Do they have no. any kind no, of classes have, that cover We that? have no communication class. We have no business classes. It's just medicine, 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 surgery. Geez, you and should I'm be like, doing uh, one year that's just psych classes. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm like, that would be so much better, and you would have a lot less, you know, people that get sued and <laughs> all kinds of stuff go on, but they don't. I mean, they focus on <laughs> the animals, which is great because we have to know all that stuff, but it would have been helpful to know that you're going to deal with a lot of crazy out there. <laughs> <laughs> well, where can people find the book? Um, you can buy it on Amazon, Amazon.com. Um, you can also go to Publish America, or um, you can go to my website, which is BullyDocConnection.com. Bully, B-U-L-L-Y? -L -L yep, D-O-C, Connection.com. Okay, very good. Well, thank you, Dr. Corey Key. We really appreciate You're you being welcome. on. The book is Horses Who Eat Potatoes and Other Truer-Than-Life Stories of the Other Family Doctor. Well, Helena, there's something I didn't even get a chance to talk to you about yet uh -oh. that we're announcing this week on the show. And we're going to, Tammy from the Western Radio Show, Tammy Serrance, is going to join us here for a couple of minutes to make the announcement. Hi, Glenn here, and I'm with Tammy from the Western Radio Show, and we have a very exciting announcement to make today, Tammy. I know. Go ahead. Spill the beans, Glenn. Well, <laughs> we're excited to announce that the Horse Radio Network is a media sponsor for Road to the Horse for over this next year and coming into the next Road to the Horse in 2014, and we're very excited to be part of it. It's kind of like you're going back to your roots because you you started in Lexington, Kentucky, didn't you, Glenn? Yes, we did. We started in Lexington uh, with the Stable Scoop Show, and then the 2010, the World Equestrian Games Radio Show. 
was so, how we started. We'll be headed back to Kentucky in March. That's I'm, going to be really exciting. I'm very excited about this. Tammy works uh, with Road to the Horse and as their social uh, media person and also helped us get this all set up, which is why I'm chatting with her and we're making this announcement together. And you guys over on the Western Radio Show are, are doing some special projects this year with Road to the Horse that I'm very excited about as well. I know. This is the very first Road to the Horse where we have had a wildcard competitor. And what that means is everyone sent all their applications in to be a wild card. Everyone had to send videos in, photos, information. And out of that, eight elite clinicians were chosen from across the country. And each of those eight clinicians took a horse from their remuda home this year in 2013. And they have gone home and they're busy training that colt until Road to the Horse 2014. So they have it for a year. And then they're going to face off in a good old Western showdown, Glenn. <laughs> <laughs> With guns blazing. Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> and then whoever wins that wild card will step straight into the round pen. So this is kind of the first time where we've really had uh, not so much an unknown competitor because we know it's going to be a wild card. We just don't know which one. Well, yeah, and the other the other competitors that you have have been wor- world known clinicians, mm-hmm. uh, and so th- that's I, I I like this. I think it's going to make it very interesting. And you're going to be doing interviews with and keeping track of all of those competitors, all eight of them, over the next year, and uh, sort of learning about their horses and learning more about them as well uh, over on the Western Radio Show. Exactly, and that's kind of uh, what we've been doing, and we're already following them on Facebook, and you can go to Road to the Horse Facebook, but you know what? I think what's so great about this is we saw these colts run into the Old Tech Arena in 2013 in March, untouched, wild, bug-eyed, you know, and now you're watching them under the guidance of these wild cards, and they are roping. They are getting hauled all over the country. And they are doing all these amazing things in such a short period of time. So it's definitely um, it's definitely a crash course for these colts to get them prepared for 2014. So it's going to be a really exciting event. I'm looking forward to it, too. You and I will be there, and the Horse Radio Network will be there representing. We'll be doing some shows uh, from there as well. That'll be the first time that we're at that event doing shows. It'll be my first time going. You've been there for a couple of times. Oh, I am. I am a Kool-Aid drinker. I love (laughs) Road to the Horse. And, you know, the first time I went, Glenn, I was kind of like, oh, you know, a bunch of clinicians and natural horsemanship. This will be fun, you know. I had no idea that it would be – to me, it was the greatest equine event I've ever witnessed. I mean – and, you know, what What makes me feel bad is I've got five- and six-year-old horses in my pasture I haven't had time for that aren't as broke as those colts after three days. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite embarrassing. I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> so it's, it is really cool to watch these untouched quarter horses come in, watch these people get this partnership with these horses over such a small period of time, and then have to go through an obstacle course. So it, it is, it's great watching. When is it next year? What's the date? Uh, March the 14th to the 16th um, at the Kentucky Horse Park. And we hope to see you there. And we, uh, we, as I said, we'll be there all those days. And we'll be making our way back to Lexington. And I can't tell you how many shows we've done from the Kentucky Horse Park. It's been dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of shows. <laughs> and uh, this will be something a little bit different. And we'll be back in the All-Tech Arena. We're looking forward to it. Thank you so much for all your help with this, Tammy. If you want to learn more about Road to the Horse, go to roadtothehorse.com. 
RoadToTheHorse.com and look for our continuing coverage of Road to the Horse over the next year until March of next year. Well, Lena, it is now time for Tack and Habit. Cue the music. This Tack and Habit segment is brought to you by Sparkle and Boom. You can visit them for all your new media marketing help at sparkleandboom.com. The perfect new media marketing assistance for small business owners of all kinds. Sparkleandboom.com. And now we have Coach Jen from Horse Tip Daily, and she's going to review a great product for us. Great because, well, it's a great product for me and her. Maybe not so much, Glenn. But <laughs> we're going to hear Coach Jen tell us all about the um, sock collection from Noble Equine. There's a couple of different styles, so we're going to hear from Coach Jen. So what are we talking about today, Jennifer? The Noble Equine Extreme Soft Boot Sock and the Noble Equine Over the Calf Petties. Well, you know, there's nothing that women like to buy more, in my experience, being America's horse husband, than new socks for uh, wearing underneath their boots. They seem that's to like the to next buy best thing to. That's the next best thing to buying boots. It, yeah. <laughs> how many pairs do you own? You own a thousand pairs of socks like Jennifer? Of boot socks? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Every color. Maybe 900, maybe 999. <laughs> and that's not enough. So, Jennifer, what was, uh, let's start with the over-the-calf petties. What's the a over petty, the, by the way? I think it's just a fancy name for a pair of socks. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> I had um, thoroughly tested the over-the-calf petties. And I happen to have a pair of purple ones. Um, they are your classic tall boot sock in that they are thin. But what's really cool about these is the foot part has a padded footbed, so it's thicker, so your feet don't get so tired. But then from the ankle up, they're really, really thin, so they fit under your boots real nice. And How's the elastic at the top? I know that's one of the big complaints you get is they, they tend to fall down. Well, these are great because... Some brands who shall, shall rename, remain nameless and are a rather expensive sock, the ela- it's not elastic enough, and you can't get it over your riding breeches. Mm. It's like you know, by the time you cover up the breeches, especially if you have breeches that have uh, Velcro on them, um, you feel like you're you've just put on a exercise bandage too tight, and your foot turns blue. They are stretchy enough that they really fit comfortably over your breeches, and then they stay up really good. Um, they're not, they're a little bit too stretchy, I think, for just wearing with that under, like if you were to put them, just pull them up tall and wear jeans and then ride, they might not stay up all that well, but for over top of your breeches, ah, they're great. And they don't, so they, so you don't get the rollage at the top. I didn't have any rollage problem. Nope. Okay. Now twisty. Yes, but that's just because I can't keep my legs still. (laughs) That was user error. That was user error. Now, we live in uh, Florida, so it's a little warm. Were they hot? Or it says they have the, the moisture wicking technology. So uh... The foot part, despite the fact that it's a little bit thicker to give you good padding, was not warm like wearing a pair of wool socks or something. No, it okay. didn't have any problem with that at all. 
and they come in really clever colors. They come in bright yellow. I thought about you, Helena, when I saw these. They come with little horsey designs and little horseshoe designs and all yeah. kinds of colors. Bright now, yellow. Have, I like the horses. They have two different kinds. The ones that come in all the awesome, amazing colors do not have the thicker, puffier foot. Okay. The supportive type of... Yeah, they're um, just... I, yeah, okay. I, I can see that. Well, you have to... They have to trade off the support for the well, they're, fashion. Yeah, they're... The foot part of the really wild colored ones, which I love the purple horsey ones, it's thicker, but it's not padded. The ones that come in just the two-tone, it's a properly padded footbed. It's really nice. That's... Is that the extreme soft boot sock? See, it's a little confusing because of the names. The extreme boot, soft boot sock has the properly padded footbed okay. versus the over-the-calf petty. It's just knit thicker so that you don't end up with your toe going through the end of your sock. Bend. Oh, okay. Okay. You know? So it's nice and sturdy. You don't Because whenever you put them on, you know how it is when you put them on your tall boots, you pull them on and you yank them all the way up to your kneecaps to cover, you know? Yeah. And then you put your foot in your boot and it stretches the toe even more. Yeah. Uh-huh. Exactly. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. So it guards I'm, against that. I'm digging the um, the petties, though, because I like the colors, like lemonade, <laughs> flamingo, Caribbean <laughs> wave, blackberry. I kind of want, I want one of each. <laughs> this is Noble oh. Equine is the company we're talking about uh, right now in the socks. Now, the Extreme Soft Boot Sock, you, you tried that one out, too, right? Yes, I got, I got the Extreme Soft Boot Sock, and it's really comfortable, really stretchy. And it's stretchy throughout, not just the top. You know how sometimes you get the socks that the top band is super, super knitted, and that's what's supposed to hold the sock up, but mm. then it cuts off the circulation right below the knee. Mm-hmm. And, and then when you complain to your riding instructor your foot have, that your feet have fallen asleep, it's not because you have your feet pushed into the stirrups too hard. It's because your socks are cutting off circulation. Um, but they're stretchy throughout, all the way up. There's a little extra stretch at the top, but not tons, so it doesn't cut the circulation off to your feet. Mm. I'm liking this. Go Noble Equine. Yeah. Like really liking this, and, these and are, when you, they have a great website too. Yeah. So like when you go to shop for the socks that you want, like let's just say you might be interested in ordering a pair of Flamingo Pink. <laughs> just saying, <laughs> um, it's really nice. They have. I, I know this is kind of silly, or maybe it's the detail that wouldn't really be interesting to most people. But to me, when you're shopping online, this is really important. A proper Zoom image is really important for knowing what you're going to get before you get it when you're buying yes. online. Yes. Noble Equine does a fantastic job of showing enough detail in their products where you know what you're going to get when you get it. So when you're looking at the over-the-calf petties, you get a real good feel for the weave of the sock and like everything that Jen's talking about, the reinforced toe, the color. You can see how it's a little bit tighter at the, um, at the top of the calf. I just have to say, well done to Noble Equine. Really well done. Da-da-da-da. So Very get me good. six pairs. <laughs> yeah, on um, one, two, three, four. In, I am one in each color yep. of the petties, and then um, I got to pick a print. You know, the zebras cute, the wild and freeze cute. Now these uh, are what? Uh, so the over the calf petties were the colorful ones are are fourteen ninety, and then the extreme soft are eleven ninety. So what um, is that about normal for? For these kind of socks? Actually, I would say that's um, probably slightly below average. What do you think, Helena? Um, yeah, I, I, I would say, no, I would say it's pretty fair. I would say it's yeah. about about average. The, the, the true question is the longevity of the sock. Right, right. And it looks like the, um, 
the petties, these socks are going to last longer than your average tall boot socks, in which case that makes it a very good price. Because I go through tall boot socks like they're going out of style. Well, very good. This is Noble Equine. You can find uh, this, these products at nobleequine.com. So if we have a six-flake bale, uh, what would you give them, Jennifer? I'm going to give these socks, um, I'm going to have to give them a five. I haven't had it long enough to test the longevity. I've only been wearing them for probably a couple of weeks now, and obviously I can't wear them every day. So I'm going to give them a five until further notice. They could move up or down the scale depending on the, how they hold up for the next six months. Very good. Well, that's Noble awesome. Equine Socks. Thank you, Coach Jen. Of course, you can f- listen to Jennifer over at horsetipdaily.com, her show that she does over there. Talk to you soon. Thanks, ah. Jen. You had a terrific week last week, and uh, uh, but, but had a little bit of a sad thing here happen. A lot of bit of a sad thing happened when you got home. I did have a lot of a big sad thing happen when I got home. Um, unfortunately, my almost 11-year-old St. Bernard passed away on Monday. Uh, she had shown signs of bloat uh, over the weekend, and I was away. And unfortunately, um, she was taken to the vet, but there was a miscommunication and... Um, it turns out that she did have a partial stomach twist. So, um, of course, when I got home, I looked at her and knew immediately that something was wrong and got her into the vet. But by that time, um, the damage was fatal. And so we had to, uh, we quickly did an x-ray to confirm what both the vet and I knew to be bloat and then made the decision to euthanize her right there because she was, she was suffering. She was in terrible pain. And, um... Yeah, that was... Well, I'm so sorry was, to hear that, obviously. I mean, it's... It's you, awful. I know. You know, we've, we've, it's part of what we do. It's part of what we are. Like, our jobs are to give these animals the best life that we can give them. It might not always be Which a perfect you did. life. Which you did. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And, you know, we give them the best that we can. It's not perfect, but it's the best we can. And then the other part of that job is to make sure that when it's time for them to move on that we help them do so comfortably and humanely. And, um, I would have liked it to be a little bit more comfortable for her, but it certainly was humane. And I'm, I've just broken up over it because she was amazing. She was my dad's dog. And when he died three years ago, it was the only thing he asked of me. He said, please take Bella and make sure that she stays with you. And she adapted to living the country life like a champ. She absolutely loved it. She was the best farm dog ever. Um, so at the very least, I gave her everything that I could, and I know that she appreciated it. Well, she had a few extra years, too, because that's really old for a big dog like that. Uh, well, for the rest of the world, yes. But for me, you know, I have this sort of, I have this little chip on my shoulder about having animals who live a long time. So we had well, a new feed who I lived mean, to usually, 13. They usually what? Uh, you hear about them at 8, eight and 9, you know? Yeah, 8, yeah. 9. I, would, I, I, I think maybe with a slightly different set of circumstances, she probably could have gone to at least 12 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what? Bloat is common in the deep-chested breeds. So what I would definitely recommend to... Stable Scoop listeners is this. 
if you have a deep chested dog, a large dog, a St. Bernard, a Rottweiler, even the Bull Terriers, go online and research bloat. B-L-O-A-T. It's not unlike um, colic, colic yeah. in horses. And, and you'll see the symptoms. They are clear as day. And you can prevent a fatality if you get to it in time. So just go up and research bloat. And there's sometimes you just can't do anything about it. But if there's something that you can do, knowing the symptoms is definitely helpful. Even with the greyhounds, which aren't huge dogs, you know, by any stretch, ours only weighs 50 pounds. But when you get the greyhound owner manual, when you adopt one, um, one of the things is do not let them run within an hour of eating. Uh, because they also can get the twisted gut. Um, yep. Yeah. So, yeah. Something that we're aware of all the time. And she'd love to go out and run right after she eats. But I know. I know. You do. You have to manage them. They're like little kids. You know, yeah. they just don't always know what's what's best for themselves. And, um, you know, they're not used to... They're, they're living in human in, within a human infrastructure. So we have to kind of manage that for them. But, well, I'm very sorry to hear that. Thank you. Big hugs. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that's it for this week, everybody. Be sure to uh, check us out at stablescoop.com for all the details and links. And if you, you, know, you didn't follow all of the different links we talked about with all the guests today, all the information's at stablescoop.com. Don't forget a reminder to download the new app uh, for iPhone and iOS. Uh, we have the apps uh, in, in both of those app stores. Just search for Horse Radio Network. We've had hundreds of people downloading the app. So far, uh, everybody is loving it. They've posted comments, and they're very happy to have it. It makes listening to the shows so, so easy, and this app is simple. So uh, you can either stream the shows, or you can download them to your phone and listen to them at any time. So either way, it is very simple to do right on your iPhone now or your Android phone. Very, and you can do, do it on the iPad, but when you're in the App Store, you have to click the button for iPhone. There's not a separate iPad app. You have to use the iPhone app. Okay. So, but you can do it. Okay. And uh, that's about it, right? And we want to thank all our sponsors. Let's give a thank to our sponsors today. We had Fleeceworks, EquityMFG.com, Road to the Horse, and Equisketch. And that's about it. <laughs> That's plenty. But of course, there will be more next week. Until then, happy scooping. Mm-hmm.